Welcome to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, the queer James Bond podcast. I'm Andrew Wheeler. And I'm Shane Holland. On this episode, it is the second annual check-in with the number one Bond satire series, Austin Powers. And I'm once again thanking God that there are only three movies in this (laughs) franchise as we dive way too deep into Austin Powers, (laughs) the spy who shagged me. Oh my God. Andrew, I must say, uh, (laughs) I might be cursing myself (laughs) after this one. (laughs) <laughs> this is, as, as, as long-time listeners will know, this is our annual birthday treat for Shane. Um, treat? <laughs> Torture. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to my therapist about, like, my self-care routine. <laughs> really, you are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do a Henry Cavill movie for my birthday. I'm just I'm just teeing that up right now. So. Thank you. <laughs> but first, Shane, have you been up to anything very groovy, baby, this week? Oh my god, I cannot wait to talk about this. Yesterday, uh, I got to participate in a real-life version, an, an ARG, of The Mole, the reality show from the early 2000s, which apparently might still be on the air uh, somewhere in Europe. I'm not sure about that. Anyways, <laughs> it's a game where there, we, there, were ten conce- uh, there were 10 contestants. We were all trying to contribute uh, money to uh, the cash prize pot by completing challenges. However, one of the uh, contestants was actually the mole sabotaging our every move uh, and you know they made quite a big dent uh, out of the 200 $200 I think the winner won 150 150 uh, I say the okay. winner because it wasn't me uh, I was eliminated <laughs> third I learned a lot of lessons about reality TV uh, having a good social game is great but it counts for nothing if you don't actually take any of the clues that people are laying down for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I see. So not quite a master spy yet. Not yet, but I was having a great time. But oh my god, like actually getting to do like spy crafty challenges and like subterfuge and talking about people behind each other's backs when they're 10 feet in front of you. Oh, it was so much fun. (laughs) Uh, It was all uh, run by uh, my friends, Ronnie and Alex, uh, who are the people I talked about last time uh, at Game Camp It Up on Twitter. Uh, They host the Survivor Weekly Parties and they threw this together for uh, Ronnie's birthday and it was just such a treat I cannot stop talking about it you came to the after party where we uh, crowned the winner of the season uh, and we all <laughs> proceeded to get uh, uproariously drunk I would love to you know at least watch but uh, scheduling it opposite Eurovision is homophobic so oh tell me about it I cannot <laughs> believe that a bunch of queer people got together on Eurovision day uh, <laughs> to not watch it Anyways, enough about the mole. What about you, Andrew? What's the most shagadelic thing you've done this week? <laughs> I mean, I guess watching Eurovision is pretty shagadelic. It was yeah. a, it was a great show. Um, I don't know if you've watched any of the, the highlights, but... Uh, I'm saving it for myself. I haven't seen. The, the UK did shockingly well. I mean, <gasps> but then it was the first time the UK, like, took it seriously in about 20 years. So, <laughs> you know, there's a correlation there. You put up a, a someone that can sing and a proper song and, and suddenly people actually give us points. Imagine so, that. Uh, yeah, it was a redemptive journey for the UK. Uh, but the most Bondy slash powersy thing I, I think I've done over the last couple of weeks is, uh, you and I went to the, uh, Toronto Vintage Clothing Show over in Exhibition Place and I picked up a chrome martini picture from one of the vendors there. Um, a thing I did not know existed, but knew as soon <laughs> as I saw it that I needed to have this. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge yeah. chrome 
Uh, it looks like a martini shake, like a cocktail shaker, except it has a handle on one side and a spout with a screw on cap on the other side so that you can actually shake the whole thing and then serve it like it's a, a kettle. I think a martini shaker, uh, uh, sorry, a martini pitcher is even mentioned in a Bond novel that we haven't actually read yet. Uh, oh, okay. So to actually see it in real life, I th- I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're not like, a, I don't think there's a huge number of them out, in the, although this wasn't an expensive item by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, it's not something I, I feel like I've seen a lot of. Um, I haven't tried it yet. Uh, but I think there's an event coming up this week where I might give it a go. It looks like it takes an entire bottle of gin in one serving, and that's with copious amounts of ice. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait to find out what that event could be and if I will be there. <laughs> Speaking of cocktails, before we dive into our conversation this week, it is time for our regular cocktail segment. And Shane, oh my God, what are you serving <laughs> for this movie? Oh my and God. Can I have Drew. a double? <laughs> <laughs> you might need it. Uh, unfortunately, the inspiration is this movie. Uh, oh, I went no. with the espresso martini. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, so, you know, the martini made with espresso. It's two ounces of vodka, half an ounce of coffee liqueur, usually Kahlua, uh, an ounce of espresso, freshly brewed, or you could use like a cold brew concentrate. Uh, and you add half an ounce of simple syrup. And uh, people, I- I've heard that people are starting to use a dash of salt or like a few drops of saline solution in these cocktails oh. to bring out the actual coffee flavors in there. Uh, and then, okay. you, yeah, you shake all that up and pour it in a classic martini glass, co- couple of coffee beans on top, and there you go. And it's an espresso martini. It tastes like chocolate and coffee, and it's a little nutty, Oh, dare I say. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> classic, delicious. I mean, the, the, the reference point makes this untenable for me, Shane. I mean... <laughs> Am I trying to ruin this for you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, also, I don't like I uh, novelty martini. That's that's terribly snobby of me to call it that a novelty martini. (laughs) But uh, but certainly, like I've never been someone that drinks. I don't drink coffee, so espresso martinis are not something that I've ever reached for. Um, And and yeah, there is that part of me that's like any martini that isn't a martini isn't a martini. Um, I mean, I gotta. I, I have to admit, I feel the exact same way. The espresso martini <laughs> is never my go-to when I'm ordering mm-hmm. a drink. Uh, I mean, it's tasty, and yeah, sure, one is great. Um, but I am also a purist when it comes to my martinis. Gin or vodka or nothing else. Yes. Um, what snobs we are. But, uh, right. but I mean, hey, would we have that this podcast if we weren't? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, the, in the context of this movie... I there is just no way this is passing my lips and I think because it has actual coffee in it the effects may be quite familiar as well. So. <laughs> oh god. Oh, let's let's just move on. Let's get this over with, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> That was a clip from the trailer for Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me, the 1997 sequel to Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery, which we talked about a year ago. 
Directed by Jay Roach, written by Michael McCullers and Mike Myers, and starring Myers, Heather Graham, Mindy Sterling, Seth Green, and Vern Troyer. Uh, it's uh, and yeah, don't the, don't forget Mike Myers and Mike Myers and uh, Mike Myers and Mike Myers. I mean that in itself <laughs> is an issue. Um, as I said, we we watch these movies because you're a fan. Okay. I <laughs> yes I, okay I will not take it back I am a fan I think I think there is some genuinely funny stuff here it mm-hmm. I, I grew up with these movies I was the right age when they came out so this is definitely nostalgia bait for me they're colorful they are campy and you know this is a James Bond podcast who would we be if we didn't at least mention Austin Powers once a year so yeah <laughs> I, I'm a fan but I will say this oh my god i had not watched it even when we talked about it last night and i was singing its <laughs> praises i i watched it today and i was like oh my god i am gonna have to eat a lot of shit <laughs> oh god shane <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> all right well let's get into the recap we we open with in fact a recap text scroll in star wars style and a burst of the song evil is his name um or i think the song is actually called dr evil um right then we get Dr. Evil's Bob's Big Boy launching Dr. Evil himself out of its butt and propelling the him towards first Earth. first butt joke of the movie. Sorry, I'm just going to keep interrupting this <laughs> recap. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, Austin is enjoying married life with the lovely Vanessa Kensington, or Vanessa Kensington Powers. Oh. When Vanessa suddenly glitches, he realizes she is a fembot. She tries to kill him, and then she explodes. Okay, let's start at the top. What a great song. Shirley really Bassey should cover evil is his name uh i think yeah really fun love the nod uh but immediately we are getting reference on reference on reference to (laughs) the last movie to the song and then uh, to this star wars gag which i mean legitimately star wars was huge 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 in 1999 for the first time in a long time so i guess it made sense but wow this movie (laughs) it's all it's Um, starting off strong Honestly, yeah, starting with that, like, that lovely Shirley Bassey-esque belt, mm-hmm. uh, it's Robin Goldwasser, who is the, the wife of the lead singer of They Might Be Giants, and the song oh. is written by and performed by They Might Be Giants. And yeah, great vocal, great mm-hmm. pastiche. Uh, you know, it started me off with higher expectations than, <laughs> than I really should have had. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and so does Liz Hurley, still looking incredible. Uh, so still gorgeous. one of the best parts of this film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's a real crime that she gets, you know, bumped off so quickly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I get it. I get the convention. We need to move on to a, a new Powers woman in each movie. Um, but the fact and they, that she And they do die, more for the character than most Bond films, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. at least we see her again. Yes, that's true. She does get a farewell. But it's not a good... Like, the fact that she's no. a, a fembot and the fact that everyone else is like, oh, yes, we knew she was a fembot. Like... Yeah. That's that just seems sort of shitty, and and yeah. I mean the one thing I was glad of is that Austin doesn't kill her. Like she glitches Agreed. and tries to kill him, he doesn't take action at all. She just over over like she she's blows up to try and kill him basically. Um, yeah, not ideal, but it could no. be worse. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, and the whole this whole opening scene with her is really fun i think right uh yeah. it might even be the highlight of this film while also being the worst decision <laughs> of this film uh they should think about just 
you know, having a clone uh, Vanessa Kensington for Austin 4, if that ever actually is going to happen. The the Spanish button on the remote, uh, he's flipping through mute and she goes mute and then he switches to the right. Spanish button and she starts speaking Spanish. I thought that was genuinely funny. Is there a Spanish button on <laughs> any TV on, a, on American remotes, there actually is. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Another proof that this film is very American, as they mentioned copious amounts of time. <laughs> uh, we get a lovely astronaut uh, in peril moment at the start of the movie, of course, where the astronaut is delivering some gibberish jargon language and, and you know I, I listened to it to see to try and determine what he was saying he was saying nothing at all I actually Absolutely. like it was kind of a, a, a nice subtle joke he does say oh my gentle Jesus which I wrote down <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, yeah so we get uh, the Liz scene so many plot holes created and then we move on and during the opening credits a newly single Austin dances naked through the Casino Royale uh, lots of gooning lots of dick jokes the, the first of so many. Well, not even the first. I think probably there were some in the pre-title sequence as Definitely. well. But this whole sequence is dick joke after dick joke after dick joke. There's a breast joke. There's a, there's an exposing himself to a baby joke. Yikes. The credits uh, playing out over his genitals and his butt. The name Roblo appears in the middle of his, his butt yep. while That's he great. does a little jiggle. Um, it's... It's not as good as the Carnaby Street dance. It has to be said, you know, we're, we're in derivative territory already. Uh, I do, however, love the synchronized swimming. Andy, I think Andy, yes. I think it's a thing of beauty when he emerges out of the water in reverse in his like suit and he's out of breath as if they'd actually just done this number. Uh, hilarious. Right. Um, I love that people are shocked and then very understanding of his nudity. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for a man who owns a penis pump, I mean, hang on, oh he's doing God. okay, apparently. And they brought that back, too, if, they did. if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> Continuity. Yeah. <laughs> so, getting into the action, uh, Scott Evil is reunited with his father, Dr. Evil, on the set of Jerry Springer. Wow, remember Jerry Springer? Um, hilarious oh, intro. I'm Jerry Springer, and today's topic is My Father is Evil and He Wants to Take Over the World, which is not <laughs> far from the title of an actual Springer episode. I thought that was great. That's true. <laughs> and, the, yeah, the other dads are a Klansman and a Nazi, which probably <sighs> felt more like fantastical and comical at the time this movie came out. And Yikes. now just feels... <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it was groundbreaking, honestly. <laughs> they really normalized Nazis on national TV. Um, mm -hmm. We are at peak Seth Green. He is so mm. hot in this movie. Am I right? Yes, Seth Green is, is a delight throughout this movie. And uh, and yes, once again, I'm on Team Scott uh, oh, all yeah. the way through. Absolutely. Um, though I do enjoy him being called the Diet Coke of evil. That one, that one stings. <laughs> that stings, that stings. That's a great line. Um, and I love that the CIA are just like sitting there watching this episode of Springer unfold, <laughs> not saying anything, just looking puzzled at the screen, which would have been a like, you know, very boring scene to film, but hilarious reaction. Everyone was watching Jerry Springer at the time, you know? It's true. It was... yeah, this movie, like, some great comedic one-liners, but honestly, some of the worst writing I I've witnessed in such a long time i guess the caliber of the things that we've been watching has been higher lately so to like snap right back to this was whew. and i mean next well, week so i feel like we may be saying some of the same things <laughs> um honestly yeah it, i was shocked by how 
low the quality sank from one movie to the yeah. second. And so grateful that this movie was like 90 minutes long because, yeah, it just, it definitely felt like they were like, oh, well, we'll make another one and we'll just cash in. And, cash and but at the same time, like, I think it was, like, I know it was very successful and I think it mm-hmm. totally nailed what its audience wanted. I just was never in that audience. Like, I was, I was too old and too gay. Um, yep. I to, was 13 when this film came out. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. put yourself totally in my fair. shoes. It's like, this movie was made for someone like me. Like, literally just shit yes. humor, which for yeah. a child, I'm sure was great. Me now, I'm like, oh my god. I <laughs> I, I need to grow up. <laughs> yeah, like, but by the time, like, I was of, and I was in my 20s, and, and so this all represented a culture that I, like, considered boorish and... Mm-hmm. and oppressive honestly so the snobbery began early very different vibes (laughs) (laughs) oh in my 20s i'd been doing snobbery for for a good two decades we invented the language yeah (laughs) (laughs) basil exposition assigns austin to photograph a model ivana who works for dr evil uh more great plotting here i mean the 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 story is so paper thin all the way through none of it makes sense it's so ridiculous but we do get a lovely cameo from rebecca romaine who i I was shocked i totally forgot this number one on star trek uh, strange new worlds (laughs) as she is known now (laughs) yes we we stand rebecca romaine um uh, yes, this this was the era when both Rebecca Romaine and Anson Mount were just hot young things. Uh, and the they're movies. still hot. <laughs> they're oh, like, yes. They're as uh, hot as ever. Um, yeah. yeah, I loved seeing Rebecca Romaine. I loved seeing Kristen Johnston um, as Ivana Humpelot. She was she was great. Like, she that mouth, what that oh, mouth do? My, my God. goodness. My God. <laughs> she, I thought she was iconic. She must have taught Rebecca Romaine everything she knows. Um <laughs> And they're like, they are somehow just so perfectly matched on that model set, like just yeah. posing with each other. I don't know. There, there's something electric about that scene. And once again, setting up some high expectations for the rest of the movie. Like more of that would have been great. Right? Yeah. Like, the, I mean, again, it it's sort of just hollow nonsense, but at least it was like charming and fun and sexy, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, exactly. I did not understand. At one point he's like, act like a... A lemur, but he says lemma, and I don't, don't know the pronunciation of the word yeah. that is. Like that's not how the English say it. Is that how Americans say it? Lemma. He's Canadian and Scottish. <sighs> I don't know. He he's just trying everything <laughs> in this one. Uh, the the oh, too lemma. much creative control uh before we move on to the next scene i do have to point out that uh and we kind of talked about this but it starts with basil uh, or austin asking basil vanessa was a fembot and basil says yes we knew all along sadly and that's the end of the conversation (laughs) like that's literally it i i thought that was cute (laughs) (laughs) vanessa getting about as much respect as tracy Uh, yes exactly (laughs) Once you're dead, you're forgotten. It's gone. It's over. Um, Austin's pad in both the 90s and the 60s is like glamour to the extreme, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they're amazing sets, but also just unlivable spaces. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would get a migraine every time you opened your eyes, but they look great on film. Yeah. Uh, imagine living <laughs> in a completely white box, like just how difficult it would be to fall asleep. <laughs> Dr. Evil meets his miniature clone, Mini-Me. He then uses a time machine to travel back to 1969 to steal Austin's mojo. This is the plot, folks. 
Wow, that's it. And that's pretty. Oh, I guess we can stop talking about the movie because that's it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- this was a, a, another tough one to summarize, uh, yeah. and I kept it bare bones. <laughs> <laughs> you done well. Uh, they really nailed Starbucks here, uh, evil corporation. Well before we knew how evil Starbucks was, we should of course mention, as always, when we Fuck see Robert, Robert Wagner on yeah. screen, justice for Natalie Wood. Justice for Natalie Wood. Absolutely. Unibrow, uh, Frau Farbisna's, uh, lesbian lover, uh, is introduced, and I just wish we had explored even a fraction more of this character, because wow, that look. I loved it. She didn't even say a word, and, like, one of the most engaging people on that screen in that scene. Yes, that was, uh, comedian Mary Jo Smith as Unibrow, and yes, she gets, she gets nothing to do, but she feels like she could have been a character. Um, so, also, in a very different sense, justice for Unibrow. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very different sense. <laughs> um, Mindy Sterling, once again, I think, does a great job in these films. Yes. Uh, she is the best character actor that they have. And my, like everything she says, send in the clone, is absolutely <laughs> qu- quotable, memorable, uh, and probably actually maybe the biggest takeaway from this film. Honestly, yes, yeah, she's so good. She's so funny. She she makes that character electric. Um, she is the even, only one who has chemistry with Mike Myers too. Like no one yeah. else can kind of keep up with him, but she at least has like something going on. She's so good that I'm laughing at the things that I feel like I shouldn't be laughing at. Like the, mm-hmm. any joke involving Vern Troyer as Mini Me being, you know, a a little person, I feel like those jokes are are not not good jokes, and that's not no, good not. territory. But the moment she picks up the spray bottle and starts spraying him like he's a cat, I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't sure if it's also offensive. Like I don't know. I I mean, it is. He's also he is supposed to be playing a monster, so there is that. Yes. But yeah, right. I, I, it's all very problematic. Uh, I will say the last good mini me joke in this movie is one of the first ones where he sits down on the <laughs> chair beside Doctor Evil, and they both pick up a cat at the same time. It's just he has a baby Sphinx cat. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. And I saw you've got uh, R.I.P. Ventura. I'd forgotten that he passed away, actually. Yes, pretty recently, in the past few years. Um, And it's so strange. Uh, I know, or at least I think, I'm pretty sure I remember correctly that he said to the press many times, like, he loved doing this role, and even though he knew that it could be considered problematic, it had changed his life, Mm -hmm. and which is true. Uh, But yeah, these jokes wear so thin incredibly quickly. Yeah, Yeah, he had a a very tragic end, and... I, I hope he, you know, got enough good things out of his time in the spotlight. Certainly, yeah, it was it was a, an unusual career. Um, yeah, definitely. But uh, but an, an ugly story in the end. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this was at the time like no pun intended, but this was a giant role. Like this really, yeah. this was so cultural culturally important at the time and. In, I don't want to say it opened doors, but it definitely allowed uh, for people to consider that there might be other roles than, you know, an elf character. Like, right. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It, 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 it loses all of the smartness of the decision very quickly, but there was a kernel <laughs> of something there. Uh, yes. Now, I will say the smartest villain in any Bond film is Scott Evil, who immediately calls out, like, every fucking plan that Dr. <laughs> Evil has come up with. Yes. And and is always saying, why don't you just kill him? Um, and yes, I think he has the read of the situation perfectly. And he's still very hot in that yeah. 
90s skater boy oh bad decision kind of life ruining way um, <laughs> yeah i let him it. ruin my life for sure um <laughs> i love the time portal it is like so retro and chic and oh i i just love i think it's hilarious that he runs into it at full speed before it's turned on <laughs> good reveal did you, there did you ever watch time tunnel time tunnel it sounds familiar it's a, I guess, a 70s, 60s or 70s, uh, like, time travel sci-fi show. And that is what the time portal is based on. It's like literally, <laughs> there's this big, like, uh, black and white, like, yeah, tunnel thing that they jump into. And, like, like it, all the times you see people jump and sort of throw a shape, um, they're referencing the time tunnel because that, that was, like, the opening credits of that show. Like, I, it's one of those weird shows that for some reason was being repeated in the UK on, like, Channel 4 at tea time. So, like, I used to watch it all the time. 60s, huh. 30 episodes from 1966 to 1967. So this is not, like, a, a great enduring classic. And No, yet... talk about a niche reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yet I really want to watch it uh, again. That makes and, me want to watch it. <laughs> And I guess before we move on, we are introduced to a younger, hottest version of another complicated person, Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob Lowe. Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot deny, like, Rob Lowe was, was he, in his youth, one of the most beautiful people in the world. And he has never not been beautiful, but he mm. is. He's, uh, conservative now. He's, uh, yeah. he's done some shady ass things. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, yes, complicated feelings about Rob Lowe, but he was one of my sexual awakenings. And I mean, with that eye patch and wearing like a really well-fitted <laughs> suit. Oh my God, he's just so hot in this movie. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move on. Okay. Austin seduces Ivana. In 1969, Dr. Evil Spy, a Scotsman named Fat Bastard, steals Austin's mojo while Austin is still in suspended animation. This leads Austin to lose his mojo in the present. <sighs> you know, Shane. I know. To this point in the movie, I had actually been kind of enjoying myself and thinking, I... I've been too hard on these movies. I owe Shane such an apology, because uh, this uh, is let's... actually fun. <laughs> let's <laughs> talk about the good part of this before we get to that. <laughs> uh, great line. Uh, Ivana asks Austin, where did you get the clapper after he claps on the lights? And he says, 1964, Dutchies Tindies, sure leave. <laughs> Thought that was great. Really funny. And then the whole, yeah. like, Thomas, Cr uh, you nailed it, but the Thomas Crown Affair chess seduction. Oh, yeah. my God. Really great homage. So titillating. So hilarious. When even, like, him choking and going right. cross-eyed. Licking the still, rock and yeah. then swallowing it by mistake. It's, yeah, it's good. So dumb, it's but it's good. That is funny. That's what this movie should have been. More of that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then I said, oh, God, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. <laughs> Fat bastard. Uh, just, I mean, just horrible... You know, the joke is that he's horrible and disgusting, but the incidental collateral damage of the joke is all fat people everywhere. Um, are you know, like I, this, I, yeah. I don't think the Scottish come off this. They don't come off it well, but it also doesn't feel like a commentary on being Scottish. But, you know, on behalf of fat people, I would say I do not enjoy this, uh, this humor. Oh, yeah. It, it's all so cringeworthy. It's hard to watch. Like, I, 
I can't imagine anyone watching this film being like, haha, that guy's great. Like, I don't think he's yeah. written well. I don't think the, uh, he's clearly, Mike Myers is, uh, improving so many of these lines. And it doesn't feel like anyone in the room is finding it very fun either. And yet people did like, and you they, know, did. They, they loved it. This was such they, a popular character. And he got a third movie because of this and mini me, you know? Yeah. They, they would, they would repeat his lines all the time. And oh, you know, yeah. this is, this is exactly that culture that I was like, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> yeah. Running yeah. for the hills to get away from people saying, I eat a baby. It's like, oh, no, I, this is not so for me. Yeah. Incidental um, hottie, the judgmental colonel, uh, who is, you know, fat phobic like everyone else in this film, but I don't know. <laughs> he, he's a daddy. I would have gone with it. <laughs> the biggest question I have here is if Fat Bastard was in 1969 and Dr. Evil could send messages back to 1969, which we know he did because he says he did, why did Dr. Evil travel back in time to 1969 to steal the mojo when he's not the one stealing the mojo? You know, I've seen some of your notes, and I'm just going to say, if we start pulling on threads, Andrew, this movie has already fallen apart. I, I There are no threads left. Uh, it is just a scattering of pieces of thread on a very large floor space. <laughs> I, I shouldn't. And even, like, in the very next scene, Basil Exposition tells me that I shouldn't. Um, Literally, I said Basil Exposition, speaking directly to Andrew, don't worry about that sort of thing. Just enjoy yourself. And you know what? You're right in the first part, but the second part... Not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we talk about what he's talking about? Yes. So Basil sends Austin back to 1969, where evil agent Robin Swallows sets Austin up for an assassination attempt, but he's rescued by CIA agent Felicity Shagwell. And yes, this sequence starts with, uh, with, with Basil's time traveling is it a mini time traveling mini um, uh, uh no vw beetle oh VW a, ni- beetle. a 90s um, beetle which was very new at the time oh right yes the revival um so yes the the they start talking about paradox and then just look straight at the camera and say just enjoy yourself uh good luck to the audience yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and generally i feel like yes if you're if you're trying to work out the time travel in a time travel movie you're probably not going to enjoy the movie like, yeah that's just, right just let it wash over you it's fiction yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i love so he instantly goes to the 60s it's a very short transition where like you said don't worry about that um yeah but not a soul cares about that car magically appearing uh nope but you know it, it's the swing in 60s baby everyone's down for everything cars appear and disappear and it's it's literally his apartment, right? So there's yeah. a party going on in his <laughs> in apartment, his, and he hasn't been there for two years. <laughs> yeah, he's been in suspended animation for two years, and the party's just going on. And then he shows up, and everyone's like, "Oh, Austin, great, there you are, you're back." Which, okay, yeah. I, <laughs> All right. I guess. Um, but yeah, this, I liked this scene. I liked the yeah. you know getting back to the '60s, the late '60s. Um, like this felt like the first movie a little bit more you know there's yes. just sort of the crazy hecticness of 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 it all and the fashion um great fashion fully choreographed dance numbers by a cia agent for some reason <laughs> um and we get both a, a, a goldfinger joke and a, a thunderball joke in this in this section. oh yeah yes 
uh, with the uh, with the Robin Swallows scene where she first of all he spots the assassin reflected in her eye, uh, which we just commented on in the Goldfinger episode. Amazing, it's ridiculous, and so ridiculous, so, so good to see that come back. And then multiple times, uh, Robin Swallows takes gunfire of ascending intensity uh, for Austin in a nod to Fiona Volpe in Thunderball. But for some reason, Robin does not die. <laughs> no, she is still alive after getting a bazooka rocket to the chest. I mean, yes. yeah, she's a survivor. And I thought, like, a really fun part. <laughs> Yeah, like, I actually, like, I mean, it's a violence against women joke, but they actually yeah, land it. Like, yeah. the fact that she survives it and the fact that, you know, he, clearly the joke is he's a terrible coward and, you know, he keeps <laughs> flinging her in harm's way and and, that, and it's awful. Um, yes, of And course. if she did die, it wouldn't work, you know? It's funny because she actually keeps taking these bullets and is kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, and she, you'll, I'll get you next time, Austin Powers, as she's, like, <laughs> taking a knife to the back. It's great. I I don't have much to say about Heather Graham yet, and I won't have much to say in general, but I guess we'll, (laughs) we'll get there. (laughs) The the main, my main note here, and it's her main character note is American women are sluts. Um, I I mean, yeah, I guess that's really it. (laughs) Like that seems to be the message. Like, you know, Vanessa Kensington was this shy English rose who needed to be coaxed into becoming, um, a sexual entity, whereas Heather Graham's uh, Felicity Shagwell uh, is in the name. Yeah, it's in the name, and she makes sure you know it. And she is every bit as saucy as Austin, and she is just repeatedly just horny and out there. And uh, and we celebrate sluts on this show. We absolutely do. We def. I'm I'm here for that. I just wish that there had been anything else going on. <laughs> yes. Really, yes. <laughs> Literally anything. Like, great, yes, be a slut, but baby, like, that can't be everything. <laughs> Who are you? What Who is your character? You? Yes. Oh, uh, and why Heather Graham? Oh, God, why Heather Graham? <laughs> um, not my favorite actor, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, no, well, fair. I mean, she she is going ahead, girl, giving us nothing in this movie. Yeah, really yes, is. very that. Uh, Austin and Felicity foil a second assassination attempt on the road. They question the assassin, Mustafa, but he's knocked off a cliff before he can reveal the location of Dr. Evil's secret lair. So this is a return of Will Ferrell's assassin character from the first movie, Mustafa, who was a brown-faced character in the first movie. It Ugh. looks like they decided not to go that direction this time. They didn't Thankfully, give him yeah. such heavy makeup. Um, I mean, the... the implication is still there but yeah yes yes it's still it's still not good um but there are some good jokes your fez is familiar i thought was funny um yes that's good and um, and the whole beat where he won't answer the questions until they're asked three uh, times i can't stand to be asked the same question three times it irritates <laughs> me like well, yes. <laughs> great I, motivation somehow somehow that really uh, resonated with me yeah. uh, <laughs> i mean yeah relatable character i guess yeah he, um, he mutters at one point under his breath oh, damn three times i like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was some good riffing between the actors there um the uh there was a, a joke as well about how the english countryside uh, looks just like southern <laughs> california which uh which made me wonder like could they not have actually flown to england to shoot like 
so many movies are filmed in the UK. Is there it, not it existing B-roll of the English oh, countryside true, that they could have true. just done like <laughs> every other car scene in this movie? I don't understand. <laughs> I guess they were still like, I mean, the budget was probably bigger, but at the same time, this was not like a huge budget movie. And uh, yes, very they true. They weren't spending money if they didn't have to. It's very <laughs> clear throughout. <laughs> yeah, I would say a lot of cardboard sets going on. Is the Frau and Mini-Me thing an Honor Majesty Secret Service reference? Oh, where they shoot shoot uh, Mustafa, Mustafa in the, the neck? Road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very Probably, light, like but the setting there. of it feels, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and also, I mean, we're literally recycling all of their greatest hits, and it's already too much. <laughs> like, we've already because... done so many of the jokes from the first movie and they are going to repeat those same jokes in this movie yeah. again uh repetition is the heart of this style of comedy it's like it's about like getting the catchphrases out there and and having things that people can repeat to each other and then laugh not because it's funny but because it's familiar you recognize it yeah exactly yeah. oh well there's a lot more uh recognizable uh, quote-unquote comedy coming up <laughs> so Fat bastard uh, delivers the mojo to Dr. Evil, who drinks it and seduces Frau Farbissner. In the past, it should be said. Austin visits his frozen self in cryo, then hangs out with Felicity in London, and the two of them develop feelings for each other. Uh, Austin's mojo looks fucking disgusting. <laughs> like, I would um, not put that anywhere near my lips. I don't want that in my body. There's nothing magical about it. There's something deeply unsettling that that exists in him <laughs> true i mean yeah they they very wisely never they very wisely never explain really what the mojo is though it's event essentially it's his ability to get an erection yes um because it doesn't losing his mojo does not reduce his sex appeal like no. that's one of the odd things i noticed like he loses his mojo and he can't then have sex but it doesn't stop people hitting on him or f or swooning over him or just generally or even him, him like uh, yeah. being able to deliver that to other people. It's yeah, it's his so strange. confidence is still sky high. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, very strange. Yeah. Um, full disclosure here: I did start using the skip ten button when Fat Bastard was on screen, and uh, if there's anything I missed in the notes, you you uh, you let me know, but I just, I, I, this is like the second Fat Bastard scene in the movie, and I could not anymore. I was done. <laughs> I was Yeah, <out. laughs> I watched it so you didn't have to, and I would agree that you don't need to watch it. Like, you can honestly skip those scenes and n miss absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. And it's just so weird. Like, he eats babies? I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's nothing good there. Um, the montage of them, uh, hanging out in London, you could just yeah. tell that the 90s Brit invasion was in full effect, <laughs> partly because of those, these movies, partly because of the Spice Girls and, I don't right. know, Oasis. I feel like they were big right now, too. I don't know. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Brit pop. Uh, there's just, like, a loving look at that era of London, uh, which... I don't know. I kind of like. Maybe that's the nos the nostalgia talking. Oh, it absolutely is, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's poppy it's and colorful. the definition of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good old times when, you know, yeah. we were colonializing the world. <laughs> <laughs> we do get Burt Bacharach and uh, Elvis Costello here um, uh, singing, uh, is it I'll Never Fall in Love Again? Uh, That's correct. Uh, yeah, you can turn off the movie right now. We just got to the best <laughs> part. Uh, it's truly one of the greatest Burt Bacharach tunes ever, 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 I think. I just love uh -huh. this song. 
Uh, and I will publicly apologize to my mom right now, uh, because last time we <laughs> talked about Burt Bacharach, we absolutely skewered his musical choices for <laughs> Casino Royale, and she was very disappointed in me. I'm so sorry, Mrs. Holland. <laughs> <laughs> but we love Burt here. We 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 love oh, yeah. we love a, a lounge performer. We're we're gays with a with a nostalgia fixation. How could we not? <laughs> exactly. And if you aren't singing along, are you even human at this point? It's such a catchy tune. I love the fact that Burt Bacharach is singing along to his own song. <laughs> like he's, yeah, he's not. He's not the vocalist on this. Elvis Costello is singing and he's playing the piano, but he's mouthing the words in the background. And the camera even zooms in on him at that point, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) We get a gay joke here in the weird, redundant, falling in love montage of them like goofing around in the the city of London and, and... basically trying to the the classic thing of trying to uh taunt uh, a, a palace foot guard one of the queen's foot guards with the the tall busby hats um because of course they have to stand completely still and so everyone likes to taunt and torment them and in this case it becomes a sort of little montage scene of them taunting and then basically seducing this this guard um but then he sort of eyes up austin and austin's like oh um i can do it to you buddy how dare you do it back to me yeah (laughs) right yeah not great um but i did like (laughs) the macrame dress here i will give that uh a nod felicity is wearing this green macrame dress oh yeah macrame sorry felicity gets a few good outfits in this movie uh, including in the next scene Scott Evil arrives in the past to talk to his father, but Dr. Evil's fixated on Mini-Me. Austin realizes that he cannot sleep with Felicity without his mojo. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's the way Rob Lowe says it. Um, I love Felicity's blue velvet strappy dress here that she undoes and like it falls into pieces at her back, at her waist. <laughs> Looks gorgeous. Uh, and yes, this is where we get to see his his sixties shag pad, and as I said, it's it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's completely unlivable. Yeah, um, just so many neon pillows. <laughs> and yeah, this is this is where I made the note that Felicity at this point is, you know, I get that she needs to be sexually aggressive towards Austin because that's the whole crisis for him is that he can't reciprocate her interest. Because if you can't have a boner, how can you possibly be a sexual person? It's like, it's bad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Knowledge. That's bad. Um, that is. But, uh, but yes, at this point, it's like, she's just so relentlessly that one note and never anything else that I was like, this is, this is a bad character. This is a, this is a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is really where it starts to, I mean, it's already shown all of its true colors, but the movie yeah. falls apart at the halfway point in a big, big way. So Felicity sleeps with Fat Bastard to plant a tracker on him. Dr. Evil reveals his plan to put a laser on the moon and threaten to destroy Washington, D.C. We start off strong with another great song, Beautiful Stranger by Madonna. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite parts of the soundtrack besides Burt Bacharach. Yeah. Um, and wow, we just... Uh throw this movie away <laughs> it is literally a skippable scene oh, it is because i did um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the pimping out of felicity shagwell and and again you know spy work is sex work is work um and and that's all good but it, oof, the whole thing is so grossly handled it's it's really nasty um and explicitly deliberately made to be as vile and disgusting as possible yeah and it is for more reasons than they think it is um 
funny little note from Austin as he's looking at himself in the mirror. He says, look at yourself. You used to be so virile. And I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Some lovely stuff from uh, Scott Evil just ripping his father's plans to, to, to pieces, especially when he calls his project the Alan Parsons Project. Oh, my God. Um, and Love that. And, and he, what he starts riffing on other band names that could be, uh, project. And he says, Operation Bananarama will be huge. And I thought, uh, yes, Operation Bananarama will be huge. Thank you, when? Scott. I agree when? with you. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready for Operation Bananarama. Um, I, I also like other- Rob Lowe getting hit by a ball, uh, to the face <laughs> until he cries. I thought that was actually really funny. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fun. Um, this was the point in the movie where I noticed the interstitials are not there. Like, I think there's like a couple. Oh, yeah. The, there's only like, you know, the, uh, the little groovy laughing cutaway moments that were so good in the first movie. That really so made that movie pop in a way. Yeah. And yeah, this one. And they've just and, abandoned it. Yeah. We get like maybe three of them. And yeah. they also feel like overly long and complicated in a way that the first ones didn't. Yeah. Austin opens up to Felicity about losing his mojo. They follow Fat Bastard's signal, but find he's crapped out the tracker. Oh, a stool sample reveals the location of Dr. Evil's lair. I'm out, Shane. <laughs> Andrew? <laughs> hello? Is Hello? Is anyone there? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, I guess I'm, I, I'm on my own. <laughs> okay. Uh, highlight? Loved Heather Graham's giraffe print dress. Uh, that was it. Uh, okay, did I still giggle at when he says, bit nutty? At the shit, drinking liquid <laughs> shit line? Look, Shame. I, <laughs> I can't Shame. defend it. I can't defend it. This movie is awful. Like, it's absolutely awful, but I'm crying over here. <laughs> <laughs> The, the only thing I liked was that everyone is watching him do it. And no like one stops that. him. Yeah. <laughs> no one stops him. Everyone's just like, is he going to? Yeah. But, oh my God. It, I, I, oof. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's rough, Andrew. Uh, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> this was literally the high point when you were 13 years old and watching this film. <laughs> Uh, you know, and if, if 13 year olds then or now get something out of this, more power to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Disgusting. Uh, Heather Graham, I noticed at this point is like just having a hard time truthfully delivering a lot of these lines, like things Honestly. that shouldn't be so difficult to deliver. Like, look over there, you know, uh, very, uh, skit energy. Yes, she, <laughs> in a very scat energy scene. Sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> okay, we're we're moving on. We're okay. back to Heather Graham. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Evil tries to extort the U.S. president. <laughs> Meanwhile, Austin and Felicity arrive at the secret island lair, and we get some, of course, Honey Rider references. Of course, uh, I paused the movie at this point, and I wrote, "Oh my God, forty minutes." left i was so <laughs> upset at this point <laughs> uh yeah i i was struggling like i mean the 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 long shadow play bit with the like taking that felicity appears to be taking objects out of 
Austin's bum, lots of fisting and anal jokes. Yeah. It was so long. Like, it was, there was so, so much long. of it. Way too much of it. Um, oh, I was about to argue. Were there a couple of good gags in there? Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, no, there weren't. Uh, <laughs> I think you could tell um, how I really feel, but I don't want to say it. I don't want you to yell at me. <laughs> Shane. No, it's fine. Like, yeah. it, in theory, the Shadow Play had funny moments in practice at this point i was just in a state of shock (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, i also like the ursula andrus bikini reveal like you said uh this we get the line the awesome lethality of the alan parsons project which i had a good laugh at (laughs) uh but i also wrote like can someone please rein mike in just a little bit please (laughs) and i said it again in this next scene (laughs) the next scene Dr. Evil and Mini-Me perform a cover of Just the Two of Us. And honestly, folks, fast forward. <laughs> yeah, like, fucking kill me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> My high school best friend could recite this song in his sleep, and we no longer talk. <laughs> Moving on. Austin and Felicity are captured by guards and brought inside the base, where Dr. Evil is about to launch the mission to plant the laser on the moon. Here's where the plot's been hiding. Austin is shocked to oh, learn right. that Felicity slept with Fat Bastard. Um, Austin still uh, very judgy about women having sex. Yeah, he learned literally nothing in the first Austin Powers. He's so upset at her for doing her job. Very upsetting. Uh, uh, yeah, he's yeah, a dick. yeah, he's a dick. And like, the, who knew that there were so many different types of fart jokes, Andrew? Thirteen-year-old. <laughs> like, kid. there's a, there is a. There is a fart joke for every scene, and they're all somehow just a little bit different than the rest. Uh, not one of them very funny at all. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, at this point I noticed that the only people with any kind of actual chemistry in this film are Scott and Mini-Me. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mini-Me goes to, like, uh, lunge at Scott from across the table a couple of times, and Scott finally does it back to him, and I don't know. They have something going on there. <laughs> it's about the most that happens in this scene. Uh, I mean, you know, Seth Green has, has chemistry with everyone. He's electric. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Dr. Evil and Mini-Me launch into space. Austin and Felicity settle their misunderstanding and escape the cell. Uh, we get a great countdown moment. Uh, yes. With Frau Farbissena, uh, he, he, she is asked to count down five, four, three, <laughs> two, uh, uh, maybe, m- maybe give it a bit longer. <laughs> 30, 29, <laughs> and she keeps going. Oh, it's, I, that was a good laugh. After all yes. of the horrible, horrible jokes, it was great that they could still find something funny in there. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, this movie is so thick with, uh bond references like i mean just movie references generally but specifically bond jokes and some of them like the sort of bond jokes that you know you have to love the movies a lot to to realize how thick with bond references the movie is i think like mike myers clearly loved the bond movies like we love the bond movies yeah um, definitely that's why just this the movie idea should be better <laughs> well, it should be yeah the, the whole idea of doing a countdown joke like i mean you know it's funny on its own terms but also as a specific reference to Bond movies, it feels like it's got that little extra edge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it lifts a movie that cannot be lifted. Uh, 
Felicity says to Austin, look, don't try to lay your hangups on me just because you lost your mojo. And I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. finally. And then literally her next line is, I'm sorry. And I said, no. (sighs) And then she says, I thought I wanted to be you, but then I realized I want to be with you. And I threw the computer at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) That's an expensive film. Um, Yeah. Felicity apologizing to Austin and Austin not apologizing at all. It's like, it's so retrograde. You know, this is the other retro, the bad retro. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was so frustrating. And again, it, it, part of it is that, that Felicity Shagwell is such a boring character. A non-character. And is giving such a nothing, nothing performance. performance. I mean, she's genuinely terrible in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And she really genuinely is. looks like, she, she looks like she's just walked onto the set and been given her lines and been told, hey, we're doing a comedy movie. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll smile, I guess, and and, and throw my lines out when, when needed. And it's like, yeah. I, Line. I don't know what was going yeah. on in Heather Graham's life. I hope she was and is well. I, I know that uh, wow. she went through some rough patches. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought this was coming out of nowhere and you were like just throwing a huge amount of shade. <laughs> No, I mean, like, she was a she was a woman in the orbit of uh, Miramax films in yeah. the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, true. She went through it like a lot of women did. And, uh, and you know, nothing but love and support for those women. Okay. Um, whether that trauma was informing her performance here, I don't know. But it, it's a bad performance. Yeah, I hope she's showing up for the money. Uh, we get the first of the penis bits uh, where they... I don't know, keep saying penis in a different way. And uh, also the first of the some of the best cameos in this movie, including Willie Nelson. Right. Willie Nelson. <laughs> Willie! Uh, yeah, yeah, that bit was good. Wang was less good. Um, yes, agreed. Dr. Evil makes final arrangements uh, on the moon while Austin and Felicity pursue him into space. Uh, uh, just a lot of hand-waving nonsense going on here. Like, yeah. They... they they get on a jet, they get on a rocket, they're in space, like... The rocket does not vaporize anyone who is in the room as the rocket is launching. Nope. <laughs> uh, Frau Bissner, despite having been on the ground counting them off when they launch in space, is also on the moon. Uh, as they arrive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Did not clock that. Did not think about that. The movie just wanted us to move along. Just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think we finally got a glimpse of uh, Felicity's character because Felicity like Rocket. Uh, she goes woohoo as they go up into the sky, and yeah, you Good go, for girl. You. Yeah, Good for you, Felicity. Um. <laughs> Shout out to Moon Unit Zappa, which I thought was a, fa- a hilarious line. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, he accidentally named his his Moon Units Moon Unit Alpha, Alpha and Moon Alpha Unit Zappa. Zappa. Great. Um, <laughs> And I did like the line when he's when his spinning chair won't stop spinning, and he says, oh "I God. need an old priest and a young priest." Like, <laughs> the yeah, power that's... of Christ compels you. The power, of... <laughs> yeah, that that was good. That was good. I had a good laugh at that too. Uh, and we get President Tim Robbins threatening to blow up the moon, which at the time probably seemed like a, a wonderful piece of crazy satire on stupid presidents, and now feels like, oh, you know what? Maybe I would choose that guy over some of the other candidates. I, I literally had to think, did Trump actually suggest blowing up the moon once? And I think he might have. <laughs> I think he probably did. Yeah. Uh, he's the stupidest person alive. <laughs> 
don't put the idea in his head because it might happen. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Evil is saying, I, uh, he, he worries for a moment that he might have lost Minimi and he says, uh, oh God, I'd hate to lose you. Well, I'd probably move on, but there'd be a 10 minute period where I'd be inconsolable. <laughs> and I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. Just an example of the series having some great comedic writing and also the worst writing, question mark? <laughs> well, that's it. Like, is is it the script is bad and the improv is good? Or is it the other or way Or is it the around? jokes are, are smart and the improv is terrible? Or right. are there too many people in the room? Not enough people checking on what's happening in the room? It's so hard to tell what went wrong because I feel like Mike Myers' productions are so opaque and similar have you watched his new show pentaveret no i haven't have you i we did and it's it's a mike myers production it's weird right and he plays every character except for three of them and he's doing <sighs> mike myers stuff you know you can tell he's improving a lot and he loves making canada jokes and doing voices and uh yeah <laughs> i mean I, again i hope he's happy i hope he's he must well. be I, he's rich andrew he's yeah. i'm sure he's fine <laughs> on the moon base Minnie-Me attacks Austin Austin ejects him into space then confronts Dr. Evil but Felicity has been taken hostage he chooses to redirect the laser rather than save Felicity who dies of poison gas honestly same <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the Minnie-Me attack is long and so old, long I could not believe that it was still going after like minute three and the the best part is literally the very end where he says, poor little bugger. Uh, and yeah, that was the only time I laughed during any of that. <laughs> and we get one I, last shit joke, too. Like, my God. Genuinely, during this fight with Mini-Me, I just, I picked up my phone and opened Instagram and there was a video of Tom Daling doing doing kettlebell squats and i'm like I'll just can you send that to me that sounds minutes. so much more interesting <laughs> it was so good <laughs> honestly um yeah like just a loop next week on kiss kiss bang bang <laughs> <laughs> and then i looked up and the fight was still going and i started hitting the skip 10 button yeah again, like smart <laughs> Prompted by Dr. Evil, Austin uses the time portal to go back ten minutes so there are two Austins to both save Felicity and redirect the laser. Dr. Evil sets the station to self-destruct and smashes the vial containing Austin's mojo. Felicity assures Austin that he doesn't need his mojo as he never truly lost it. Aww, how sweet. It's the Dumbo ending. Yeah, exactly. Um, the magic is really inside you, Austin. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, they really doubled down on that I'm your father bit in a later movie and fucked over an entire <laughs> franchise doing so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like they, they, they play out the I'm your f doc, uh, Dr. Evil saying I'm your father. And uh, yeah, that turns out, no, there's a stupider direction you can go in than that. And they'll go there and then James Bond will do it, too. And Wow. The beginning oh. of the end for so many people. <laughs> uh, I do not understand, though maybe Scott Evil could explain this, why Dr. Evil tells Austin how to save Felicity. Yeah, like why? What would be the point of that? There's, there's no benefit to him in doing it at all. Is it just that he wants Austin to be, like, around? But, uh, you know, like, is he in love with Austin? Who is his brother, after all? Um, right, so of that's course. That's weird. Um, yeah, what, what does he... What does he get? I, I, I shouldn't. 
I, I Andrew, shouldn't. the threads, you've burned, you've set the threads on fire, they are nothing but ash now. If, if you're pulling at things at this point, you're not going to get answers, you're just going to get more questions. I, uh... uh are, are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> a little. we're so close we're so close um what what did felicity miss in the 70s and 80s a gas shortage and a flock of seagulls that's about it oh yeah putting those decades on blast um fair enough with the 80s but the 70s had some cool stuff i mean really right some good bond (laughs) films some bad Bond films right (laughs) in the present day austin and felicity declare their love for it wait did the movie end (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, uh, the pl- okay, the plot did end. They saved the day. He saved her. Got it. In the present yeah. day, Austin and Felicity declare their love for each other. <laughs> they are attacked by fat bastard, but I was literally shocked. I was like, wait, did I miss something? They are attacked <laughs> by fat bastard, but Felicity disarms and disables him. Austin and Felicity have a party. I mean, it's possible that I just left some stuff out of the recap at this point. I mean, Felicity... <laughs> Yes, there's a conversation where he's like, Felicity, come with me to the, the future or the present. Yeah, who cares? And she yeah. does. Who she ca- does. Like, Heather Garam is doing nothing. She's mugging at the camera. She f- It feels like she doesn't even know she's in a movie. She it's is so smiling strange. through this entire scene. Yeah. In, like, in, like, when she's being threatened, ostensibly. She must right. know that the movie is also nearly over, right? <laughs> like, I mean, she is making... Uh, Elizabeth Hurley look like Judy An Dench. Oscar worthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's weird. Very um, weird. And we love Liz Hurley. Um, acting was not her metier, but performing was, you know? Certainly. Posing. We didn't get presence. any of that in this film. Uh, no. And, but what we do get is just even more fat phobia. Uh, yeah. For most of this scene, until she hits the "Do not touch this party" button, uh, and sets off a party, and I'm like, "Oh, thank God, we're at the end." Oh, wait, no, <laughs> so close. But meanwhile, in outer space, Mini Me is rescued by Doctor Evil's rocket, and we get more penis jokes. Uh, we also get Jennifer Coolidge. I Jennifer Coolidge I was yeah. not expecting that. The highlight of no. this film. Well, let's get to the highlights and lowlights. Highlight Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lovely little treat because I think yeah. like Jennifer Coolidge was not Jennifer Coolidge at this point. I don't think she was well known. Um, so yeah, I was not expecting her. Um, also, Woody Harrelson, who I mean, this scene is set in 1969. Was <laughs> Woody Harrelson acting in 1969? Surely not. He can't be that no. old. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, that's weird. Well, again, I think they've just forgotten. Like, yes, Minnie Me was ejected into space in 1969, but is this scene set in 1969, or are they saying Minnie Me's oh. been in space for? Anyway, I don't, I don't care. Uh. <laughs> Woody Harrelson is the one person who, when he's shown the giant rocket that looks like a penis, his response is, "I've seen bigger." And uh, uh, get it, Woody? Yeah, <laughs> I, I support you. <laughs> Again, he was, you know, Woody in Cheers was another formative crush. So uh, I mean, was, more yeah. than happy to to share that information. <laughs> <laughs> and during the closing credits, Scott returns to Jerry Springer, where he learns that his mother is Frau Farbissena. Austin has a threesome with Felicity and the other version of himself. And in a post-credit scene, we learn that the assassin Mustafa is still alive. This is Seth Green in makeup and a fake fur coat. Just 
doing oh things to me. The um, fashion moment of the movie, all party monstered out, looking incredible. Yeah. Gorgeous. Thank you, Seth Green, for being great. <laughs> yeah, saving, maybe saving this movie, alongside your scene partner, uh, Mindy Sterling, who gets the best yes. line in the credit scene, lies, all lies, which I can remember my mother screaming at us uh, from time to time to make <laughs> us laugh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we know that Scott Evil got all the good genes from Frau Fabisner. Nothing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hey, fellas, is it gay to fuck yourself from ten minutes ago? Uh, really, this this <laughs> moment where Austin is sort of struggling with the idea of having a threesome with himself. With himself. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, Austin, you're, you're meant to be cool, dude. <laughs> uh. So sadly, Austin Powers will return, as will Minimi, as will Fat Bastard. So it's, uh, oh, this third one. I don't think I've even seen the third one, to be honest. Oh, um, Andrew, I am so I'm so glad sorry. I have a year to get <laughs> <laughs> Cleanse your palate, drink a lot, uh, try to forget. Oh, God. Um, we get played out with the, the Dr. Evil song by They Might Be Giants and Robin Goldwasser, and then we get Word Up by uh- Mel... B or G she was at this point. Um, it said Mel- Melanie G, and I had forgotten that had happened. But they also did yes. say AKA Scary Spice because they knew <laughs> people would not know. Uh, right. And I just forgot that this song was a thing, or maybe I never actually watched the credits that far before. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're at the end. Andrew, what's your highlight for the movie? Uh, I'm going to give it to Kristen Johnson as Ivana Hampelot. I thought she was great. fabulous. And uh, she's always great. She's so great yep. in uh, Our Flag Means Death. She's great here. She's always oh, great. Yeah. What about you? Uh, but That was the best scene of the movie, but I do want to give a shout out to Burt Bacharach featuring Elvis Costello. I love that song. It uh, it made it makes my day whenever I hear it. My low light of the movie is drinking shit. Shane, what's yours? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, an inconceivable amount of fart and shit jokes. <laughs> Mike Myers getting free reign. Uh, those are the lowlights. <laughs> uh, what was the fashion highlight for you? Uh, you know, I'm going to give it to the green mac- macrame dress. I think oh. it was bold. I think it was of the moment. I think it was exciting. Um, what about you? Love that. Uh, I went with Scott's glow up at the end. I I loved mm. the yeah the very punky look. Uh, it also did things for me. I agree with you. It was yes. Good. Andrew, were there any queer moments in this film that didn't make you want to kill yourself as a gay person? <laughs> there were no good queer moments. No. I, I, you know, like, the, the, there was a lot of queer fear going on here. The foot yeah. guard scene stood out to me. What about you? Uh, well, also queer fear. Unibrow. I mean, like, right. that's, like, a, literally a one-line joke. Uh, but, yeah, it was there. Also, Austin fucking himself? I don't know. Is that queer or is that just narcissism? <laughs> so often overlap <laughs> <laughs> sexiest moment oh Kristen Johnson and Johnston and Rebecca Romaine as equals for sure I, this one I gave to Scott Evil's glow up the uh, the lipstick uh, oh, love it. basically the reverse of each other love it good for us yes <laughs> uh, best line for you I went with I need an old priest and a young priest uh, I, I might start just yelling that at people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to hear that uh, I, I went with the countdown. I'm not going to go through the numbers. You know how numbers work, but I thought the countdown gag was very funny. <laughs> uh, most timeless or relevant moment? Uh, Jennifer Coolidge will always oh, be yes. of the moment. For me, I still believe that Operation Bananarama will be huge. Uh, well, that makes two of you. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Cringiest moment of the movie? 
Oh, Andrew, let me get my notes out. I've I've got a, another <laughs> nine pages about what was cringy about this movie. Uh, but I'm going to go with Felicity apologizing to Austin for being slut-shamed. How about you? Yeah, I went with the death of Vanessa Kensington in the opening scenes. It just, it felt like, like the thing that surprised me when we did the, the Austin Powers movie a year ago was that, oh, the women actually came out of it better than I thought they would. Like, yes, Vanessa Kensington was cool. Her mum was cool. Frau Fabissner was the funniest thing in the movie. And it was like, oh, I actually like these women a lot and these performances a lot. Um, And this movie has jettisoned all of that. And we sideline that for Mike Myers. Yeah, exactly. Horrible. (laughs) Like, really horrible treatment of women in general. Uh, And no character just absolutely yeah. no character heather graham's uh felicity shagwell is just she's nothing it's it's awful and again i like you I don't, feel bad for her I, yeah I, I i feel really bad for her like i i don't i can't even think of like other heather graham performances like i don't feel like she's someone i have opinions on but this uh, did you ever watch boogie nights like she is gen she is genuinely oh, good yeah, yeah, yeah. and that is one of her first roles like she, i think that's kind of like oh there's something here but clearly like what happened after that movie i uh, sorry i don't want to say clearly i don't want to put any i i, I don't want to put anything out there but yeah just right. something turned after that role that didn't work yeah i like i hope i hope she has other great performances but this i just don't know it's not I it yeah well, I, I mean, do we even do this? Let's let <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> now it's time for our ratings, Shane. Uh, we're <laughs> Yay! Get the movie a score <laughs> between one and three. Oh God, it has to be between one and three. Uh, then <laughs> bonus points from four categories: Bond, song, glamour, and queerness. The maximum score is, of course, 007, and apparently the minimum is one. Let's <laughs> start with our base scores, Shane. <laughs> oh god andrew if i could give it a zero but i'm gonna give it a one yeah that's all it deserves and really <laughs> even that for bond there's no bond in it so it gets a zero that's correct song i mean if we consider uh dr evil as the theme song uh i like it. it we don't get enough of it uh and i'm i'm sure we could hear the full length version of it uh the soundtrack right. pretty good uh, pretty good i love Two of these songs immensely, Beautiful Stranger and uh, Never Fall in Love Again. I I will give it the song point, and I know you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but this is one where I did think about it, at least. Like, yeah. <laughs> I do love the, the Dr. Evil, Evil is my name, but the fact that we get so little of it actually means it sort of cancels out its own virtue. So, Goodness, yeah, yeah. I'm withholding. I'm withholding. Uh, 90s glamour is unfortunately not glamorous even though it's in fashion again uh i can't give it a yeah. <laughs> no that's the thing like the first movie had so much amazing style so many incredible yeah. dresses and this one like, like the late 60s is different era but yeah but it didn't even was feel nothing... late 60s like no. nothing felt of the moment it all felt like yeah just a hyper realized version of what it was what it should have been Sorry, hyper-realized is not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> a lot of it was just like wearing like funny spacesuits, like all of that pastiche stuff. And yeah, it did not have the moments that the first one had. So yeah, it doesn't get the glamour point from me either. And yeah, it's not getting a queer point. Uh, jokes are made at our expense only. That is it. <laughs> 
So that's a, an astonishing 1.5 out of 7. Is this the worst we've done yet? <laughs> <laughs> this might be um, the lowest scoring film of all time up. for our show. Zardoz got two. Oh, so. Oh yeah. my god. Yikes. Oh, but Jumpin' Jack Flash also got a 1.5, so... And honestly, Jumpin' Jack Flash... Enjoy Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah. (laughs) In comparison, I enjoy Jumpin' Jack Flash a lot. (laughs) Well, Andrew, uh, thanks? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, Shane. Thank you. (laughs) Happy birthday to me. I did it. Next episode is the real birthday present. Should we get to that? (laughs) Okay, great. Next time on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Martinis, Girls and Guns, a murder on <gasps> our love affair as we stay in the 90s and celebrate the Yonaissance. The Yonaissance. Naissance. It's, it's, it's a hard one to get across. Michelle Yonaissance uh, with 1997's Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, Andrew, I'm so excited. Uh, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, <laughs> it's it's very the- you. It's Michelle Yeoh, Terry Hatcher... <laughs> I Jonathan know. Price. Jonathan Price. <laughs> oh, you can follow Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on Twitter and Instagram at KKBBPod or send us nice messages at KissKissBangBangPod at gmail.com. You can also follow our individual Twitter accounts at Wheeler and at Shane Came Back. Please share, like, rate, review, and follow Kiss Kiss Bang Bang on your preferred podcasting and social media platforms. Our graphics are provided by the incredibly talented Carl Shura, and you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Carl Shura, C-A-R-L-S-H-U-R-A. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is recorded in Toronto on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. We acknowledge that we are settlers on unceded territory. And we like to end every episode with a great piece of bond powers related music andrew (laughs) what are we signing off with this week please make make the end of this episode great for us i think it's great we'll see how you feel about (laughs) it uh i i went looking because it was eurovision this past weekend i went looking what was what was uh big in 1969 in eurovision who won the answer is it was a four-way tie uh there were four songs that won in 1969 which is ridiculous but one of them was Miss Lulu herself with Boom Bang a Bang. A song you introduced me to ages ago. I never thought it would come back up in conversation, but here we are. <laughs> it's a great saying. <laughs> It's got Bang Bang in it, which is very on brand for us. It is yes. Stupid and Irresistible, which is very Austin Powers. And it's Lulu, who is a Bond singer, so it's... The it's got everything. Great choice. Thank you for that. This is the way this episode should end. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for listening, and, and apologies too. And uh, until next time... Kiss Kiss. Boom Bang a Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Well said.